Hi, this is Nayetta. Hi, this is Sin. And welcome to The, the Help Show. Our first form of stress relief, we introduce to you meditation. The Help Show recently visited the Kali Chanji's temple in East Dallas with Minister Chandra. We sat religion aside to focus on overall well-being and seek a sense of peace, hence creating a spiritual space for stress relief. So we are at the Kalahanjis Temple. Am I saying this correct? Kalachanjis. Kalachanjis, excuse me. And I am with Chandra. Yes, this is uh, Chandra. I work as the minister. Um, but I know it's a very difficult name, but um, easiest way to find us is just go on Google and ask what is the best vegetarian restaurant in Dallas. Which is true. The food is amazing. And I will be finding out here shortly. <laughs> so this month we are talking about stress and stress relief and how how important meditation is. So our first question that I, um, I sent you was um, there's different type of meditations. So Chandra, how, how long have you been ministering the temple and also how long have you been teaching yoga? Oh, I've been here since um, doing stuff better. That was probably noisy. This is Wilder. He, uh, my wife babysits, babysits him, and she's right now getting ready for the 15-foot chocolate cake festival that's on the 30th of October. Which I will probably be attending. <laughs> I, I started, uh, I moved here with my wife in 2005, and I think I've been pretty much the kind of role that I'm in now for about 10 years. Okay. Could you tell me a little about um, Kalachanjis? So Kalachanjis, the temple has been here since 1971. It was, it used to be a Christian church that we bought, and they they converted into a beautiful Vedic temple. Actually, the temple room you've been in, have you seen inside the temple? I, I just took a sneak peek, so okay. I'm very excited. So it's it's to very beautiful. That temple room used to be a basketball court. A very uh, not so exciting basketball court. Now it's I have a little baby here, so it's a little hard. <laughs> but um, now it's uh, we have this Rajasthani style art, okay. which is a uh, classical Indian art, and it's a world famous artist named Vijay yeah. Sharma. Uh, last year our art was on display at the Crow Museum. You are extremely wild right now. His name is Wilder. Exactly. Wow, well, yes. He's living up to his name right Yes, now. he is. So, Chandra, how long have you been ministering at the temple? I've been, uh, I moved, my wife and I moved here in 2005. We have, um, we're serving at the Portland Temple. And we wanted to have kids. And I have a friend who went to a Hare Krishna homeschool in Idaho. And he started college at 12. And his brother started college at 11 after going through the homeschool program. Oh, wow. And um, he graduated valedictorian at Boise State at 17. And then he got his PhD in Oxford University okay. in London at the age of 22. And he's a tenured professor now. He's in his early 30s. Okay. And so he was my inspiration to, if I'm going to have a, start a family, get them into one of our religious schools. And so we moved here with the plan of starting a family. So now we have uh, two kids and we also have a goddaughter as well. So they're all two years apart. And so I began serving here, that was in 2005. And then uh, the role that I'm in now, I've made about 10 years been doing that service. Oh, wow. 
And could you tell me a little a little bit about the temple, about um, Kali Chandra's? Okay, so this temple was started in uh, 1971. Our founder came to America in 1965. He was a 70-year-old monk, a Vaishnav monk. He had absolutely no money. He, as a monk, he was doing business. Um, he was given uh, board a, a free pass on a cargo ship across the Atlantic. He had uh, two heart attacks on the ship. He had only a trunk of books, a bag of oatmeal for the ride, oh, wow. and, and zero money. He landed in Boston Harbor. When he landed, he didn't know whether to turn left or right. Made his way to New York City, opened a small temple, maybe twice the size of this room after struggling for many, many months. 1966, so that's the beginning of our the establishment of our movement. So 1966, so it's 50th anniversary. Okay. But from 66 to 77, he managed to circle the globe 14 times, opening over 130 churches or temples all around the world, including China, Russia, uh, Australia, you name it, Africa, everywhere. Um, on top of that, he trained over 10,000 students. But the foremost thing that he did is that he wrote and translated over 100 volumes of books, mostly Sanskrit, ancient Sanskrit works from Sanskrit to English. That's amazing. Um, so this has been a part of your life for quite some time, and he takes on students and you know he teaches them. What is your educational background when it comes to I, uh, this? Well, when I was 19, I, you know, I, was, I, I didn't go to college right after high school. Mm -hmm. uh, just sang in a punk band. And Neither did I, it's okay. Hanging out with my friends. <laughs> <laughs> but then at 19, I went from punk to monk. And I um, you know, gave all my old records and my motorcycle to my old drummer and uh, moved into the Portland, Oregon Monastery. And from there, I studied India and also we did a lot of traveling and teaching in the United States. And um, in 2002, I got married. Okay. And so after I got married, I went back to school. So I just did about three years of community college. And, and I moved here, and I was planning, okay, I'll do some more, but I, Kevin found me any time at all. <laughs> but I, my, one of my main subjects in college was mm -hmm. philosophy, studying philosophy. Is there, do you need it? Because, you know, if you become a pastor, I think you go through a series of, like, schooling. Like, there's, like, a, a, a set schooling, yeah. you yes. know? But I feel like... So there's, there's yeah. we have our general education. Mm -hmm. We have classes at every temple. It's it's not like, a, mm -hmm. like, you'd say, like, American church, which is open yeah. a couple times a week. We have seven worship ceremonies a day. First one's at 4.30 a.m. with live music. 5 to 7 a.m. Mm -hmm. is meditation. 7 a.m. to 7.40 is more mute, like kirtan, meditational mm -hmm. music. Mm -hmm. And then there's a lecture every morning. So that's like just general education. Then there's like specialized study. And there's evening classes. And there's what is called bhakti sastri, which is more like in-depth study. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as like, uh, we have a few colleges and one in Belgium, which is a beautiful place, it's a castle. It's a Hare Krishna college and a castle. That sounds really beautiful. So it's, uh, is it more of a journey rather than like a prerequisite to minister? 
Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. It's more of a spiritual journey yeah. rather than. And it's 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 not. Um, it's kind of more like what's your passion versus just academia because um, I deal a lot with students and uh, our congregation, our families, mm-hmm. and if, if someone is passionate about that, they, they really enjoy doing it, then then that's you know, I can be their service if they they have some good qualities for that service, but also mainly their hearts into it. So. Like what we're doing. High five. <laughs> so with all this education that you have um, with meditation, how do you feel that meditation will decrease or alleviate the stress? So we are, people become distressed because the nature of material things, it is always in a state of change. It's um, heat, cold, uh, fame, infamy. This is a world of duality. Like the Buddha has his four noble truths, which is this material world is um, full of suffering because of its uh, ever-changing nature. And to stop your desire to enjoy the ever-changing nature is to stop suffering. Um, so material world is full of suffering. Causes suffering is desire. That's the second noble truth. The third noble truth of Buddhism is you stop desires to stop suffering. And the fourth is, and this is the Eightfold Path of Buddhism. And this is through the Eightfold Path of Buddhism. So uh, the Vedic tradition is similar, except for when it comes to the point of number three, uh, is that we don't say to stop desire Mm -hmm. is to stop suffering. Okay. Because shh, <laughs> and that's our uh, autistic friend. He always comes in and says the same thing every day. <laughs> but um, so to stop suffering, <clears throat> we don't say that that can be possible because to, to stop desiring, sorry, excuse me, because desire is an inherent expression of the self. Mm-hmm. Um, Buddha was actually predicted in the Vedic or Hindu scriptures to be a direct avatar of God himself. And from our perspective, he was bringing people up to a certain level. Um, so he was kind of raising them out of the, uh, in, the entanglement of materialism and say, hey, look beyond that. But his uh, perception of beyond was nirvan. Van means forest, but it, it's, in this reference means like duality. So go beyond the material duality and become zero. And another teacher came after the Buddha. Buddha appeared in 2,600 years ago. So another teacher came about 800 years after the Buddha named Shankaracharya, and he brought it to the next level. He said, go beyond the zero, go to the one. The oneness, the energy that pervades everything, that the spirit. And then another teacher came after Shankaracharya a few hundred years later named Madhvacharya. Uh, that's like a... Uh, 11th century and he said go beyond the one go to the two because in duality in spiritual duality you have love you have relationship if there's only oneness of love if it's all just a cosmic blob of energy then there's no such thing as love okay. Okay? there's no connection there's no relationship there's no you and me right. and then 500 years ago Tanya Mahaprabhu appeared and he taught 
oneness and difference. So that the soul is one with nature, one with God, one with each other, and also different in certain regards. Like a drop of water has the same qualities like the ocean, so there's that oneness in quality. But every ripple's different. And quantitatively, it's different <clears throat> also. The drop is so small, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and the ocean is so big. So it's theistic that they, there's, there's also the ocean, or there's the sun and the sunlight. There's, there's a distinction between the two and there's a unification of the two as well. And so the idea is we are spirit souls in this material body, but we have falsely identified the body as the self. So we think we're black, we think we're Asian, we think we're uh, American, we think we're Republican or Democrat. These are all based on the ever-changing body. And we make plans for happiness according to that idea. And it's kind of like if I'm making plans to fulfill myself and I think I'm the car that I'm driving and I don't realize that actually I have a different identity from the car, then everything I do for the car doesn't necessarily deal with my issue of my grumbling stomach or things that I need personally that's separate from the car. Yeah. So meditation is meant to address that. But there should be an object of meditation. It's not simply a, the process of negation, but rather an application, something that you're meditating upon. Mm -hmm. So everybody's, people meditate on money, <clears throat> people meditate on uh, Justin Bieber, people meditate on uh, Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> meditate hard. Yeah. <laughs> That but, was not a biased statement. Yeah. <laughs> but what is our what is that object of meditation? What is that thing that we can meditate upon that actually gives a substantial different experience? That's the idea. Are you enjoying the help show? Visit us at thehelpshow.com or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Periscope. So what we like to do now, um, we want to move into meditating, and we want to be able to go into the temple. Okay. And we're going to transfer into the temple, and you're going to te teach us a couple chants. Oh, Before yeah. we go, let's let's like you said, we want to find something to meditate to on. Yeah. On. So right now, I think our focus is because there's I've read so many books on meditation, meditation for beginners, and like being still and finding that inner peace and that Zen and meditating into your nothingness oneness and that's more like, of a yeah a, we would say the buddhist mm -hmm. kind of or that being also sankacharya which is sankacharya <clears throat> was his audience were the former buddhists mm -hmm. that okay. he was speaking to so he presented this literature which is actually theistic mm -hmm. bhagavad gita talks about that there is a god yes it's not just all i'm we're on you you're me it's all just a cosmic blob energy mm -hmm. and um and so that process of negation is usually, that's usually that kind of, yeah. or the process of yeah, addition where you add, you take that spiritual element that is, uh, and then you, you're meditating on that thing, that, that substance, that thing that is of a different nature. So right now our focus is on, let's just say we're really stressed out in our lives, a million things going on, and we're trying not to identify outside ourselves. I mean, like, 
we are not we are not grad school I am not dental hygiene like we are us but we're stressed out because yeah. of these ever-changing things so outside the, of so us yeah, it's, issues it's, not a, it's not an actual stress relief this <laughs> type of meditation that we're doing uh-huh. is not an artificial imposition of the mind mm-hmm. okay it's not like okay I'm gonna set my mind into this particular frame but actually I'm going to connect my mind to something that automatically gives a different experience like uh, um, <clears throat> say you are starving and so your suffering is the, the hunger and then you're going through the dumpster and you're eating some dumpster food okay. and then you're also suffering because that what you're eating is not very satisfying or healthy or healthy it's, it's, it's going to cause some problems mm-hmm. so meditation is like someone coming and offering you a delicious all you can eat meal at Kalachanji's. <laughs> when, when you, For $10. Yeah. <laughs> $10. When, when, they, when you have the opportunity to, eat, to taste something on a completely different level that's way better than anything that's available at the dumpster at 7-Eleven, then your suffering in connection to that, your attachment to that dumpster you're attached to that dumpster when you're starving but that attachment immediately goes away when you experience something better Mm -hmm. I am really understanding the attachment you know from these things and being how that creates freedom yes right and this freedom is something that you I try to explain to people sometimes but it's like you so in in the Bhagavad Gita Krishna uses this term regulative principles of freedom Mm -hmm. which regulation does not mean freedom you know, it, and are the, the philosophy of a commercial lifestyle mm-hmm. is that if you simply indulge yourself enough if you simply um, give safety to all your indulgent systems like your 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 you have a nice financial security you have all these things you're going to be happy right and that's the like American dream you just get all these things and somehow peace and happiness shall follow Um, but those of the yoga tradition are actually trying to not be controlled by their senses Mm -hmm. but to become a senses sensei in Sanskrit that's called go swami master of your senses it's if you could just imagine that the body is like a chariot and the five senses hearing touch taste smelling um, are the are the horses of this chariot that which interface with the the senses is the mind the senses just observe the object but the mind says I like cheesecake and the mind is the one that accepts or rejects so that's the reins okay ropes in this chariot then you have um, the driver that is the intelligence Mm -hmm. The passenger is the self. Okay. So the self is in this carriage because he has a particular route that he wants to go. But these horses, the senses, have a mind of their own. So one sense says, oh, look at that. And the, whole, the mind says, yeah, I like that. So it's intelligence job to discriminate. Is that actually going to 
get me where I really want to go? Mm -hmm. Or is that just the pushing of... If the intelligence is weak, then it simply follows the impulse of the mind and senses. And unlike uh, the kind of capitalistic systems that we have, the yoga tradition is completely different. It's about actually being uh, self-sense controlled, but the, in a sense that actually gives you freedom, that you feel peaceful, that you don't feel um, pushed by uh, so many desires, because you're just peaceful. Right. You could be, you could uh, inherit millions of dollars, or you could lose you know, millions of dollars and be peaceful. That is the the quality of someone who has raised their consciousness up. So basically the chance and what we're going to be experiencing today if we're going to feel this is it going to automatically we're we going to automatically it's this it's it, it, peace because I, I really need it automatically today it, it is it's <laughs> directly perceivable okay but um, it's like in any type of scientific experiment you have to follow the procedures to get the desired okay, results are case specific well I'm excited let's do it let's do let's this. get up oh. and do this Visit us on our website at thehelpshow.com. Thank you for listening.